talking to the people and you know I don't know saying hi and getting around like everyone else that's why we're here right yeah all right well uh, let's go ahead and begin we'll stand up and we'll sing our first song tonight I am resolved
resolve, because we sang that song at the church we were at last Sunday, too. <laughs> Two in a row. That's all right. All right, let's go to the next one. Be Thou My Vision. <laughs>
Jason. Appreciate it. Good to have everybody here on this wet day out there. We finally get in the rain. They were saying on the radio yesterday that we are officially in a drought in Indiana. Over 30 days of no significant rain. So we need this, I guess. Uh, I always... I always like rain. I'm a Camelot guy. You know the song Camelot? Have you ever heard that? The rain may never fall till after sundown. By eight the morning fog must disappear. In short, there's simply not a more congenial spot for a happily ever aftering than here in Camelot. That's what I want, right? I want, I want perfect weather all the time, but it doesn't always work that way. But I do need you to pray for good weather. We've got 100 kids or so coming, 100 plus kids coming uh, the first Saturday of October, which is a week from this coming Saturday, and uh, we don't have a place to be outside, right? And I mean, other than outside, a place to be inside. So uh, we really need to be able to play those games. We relive a day of camp. Having said that, camp is one of those things that operates in spite of the weather, right? So when it's raining at camp, you just have to figure out what you're going to do. So we do have alternate inside games to play. I'm just telling you, this won't be nearly as fun for 125, 150 kids as it would be if we could go outside and play. So uh, we had two more churches sign up today, so that's exciting, and um, see what the Lord's going to do. We'll see how it all works out. Uh, I'm also asking you, as we go into prayer time, if you would remember, to pray for uh, this is the time we have got to be really serious about finding someone to replace Pastor Andrew. By the time you get past the holidays, the people who are graduating already have a place to be, right? Or at least they need a place to be. So uh, this is the time. We, I made some really good connections. I stood up in front of 4,000. I'm at Bible college. I'm going to just announce it. So 4,000 students said, we're looking for a youth pastor. I did qualify, you know, uh, for one, we want them to finish school. We don't want to pull them out of school. And two, uh, we want them to be married. And that's just that's just that has nothing to do with the Bible. That's just with your pastor. I don't want to mess with having the youth pastor trying to figure out how to find somebody to marry, especially if you might be looking at one of our teenagers for that, right? I don't want that. So uh, we just have a long time ago said when we hire these people full time, they need to be married people. So, um, so I've made a made a couple of really good connections, and so just continue to pray that uh, the Lord would just lead us to the right person, and we'll, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what the Lord has in store uh, in those kinds of things. All right, we are continuing our study here on si- uh, called Side by Side. Uh, there it is. So, oops, sorry about that. You can just leave it there. It's fine. Um, you know, my goal is to try to get this done. It, uh, we're kind of, we're, we're saying the same things, but we're adding a little bit of detail each time. But this book called Side by Side is, is, the idea of it is, first of all, to understand that we are all needy people. We've spent the, the last few times that we've been together talking about the fact that we're needy people. Uh, when I'm gone, then we're, there's a different study going on with Pastor Captain Bly on manhood, Christian manhood. And so uh, it's been kind of a flip-flopping for you guys. Um, and I, we appreciate you just putting up with us as we try to work out those schedules. But uh, now we're into the, into the part two of the book. Because if we're needy people and God has provided the, the help that we need, and he's provided that help through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and then through the church, uh, then the flip side of that is, if everybody sitting here is in need, uh, uh, and we are, every single one of us in this room and, and throughout the building are in need, then 
part of that church concept of God providing for us to meet that need is also sitting right here. You understand? So not only are you someone in need, but you are someone who can actually be a part of the help side of this equation. And that's what we're kind of looking at now. We're trying to get to that place where, okay, how can I prepare myself to be the answer to that need? Now, we're not singularly the answer, right? Jesus is always the answer. We know that. Once they have the foundation of Christ, uh, then the, the Word of God can, can guide them and the Holy Spirit can help them, and he uses us to help uh, the Word of God. Do you remember in uh, Nehemiah? I hate when this happens. Uh, so I wasn't planning on doing Nehemiah, but turn your Bibles to Nehemiah. Let's just take a look at this passage of Scripture, if I can find it. Uh, so hopefully I'll be able to find it. Uh, Nehemiah, I think it's chapter 8. Yes, that's the chapter I'm looking for. Now let's see if we can find the actual verse I'm looking for. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, they've found the book of the law, and they're reading it to the people, and, and uh, they're all gathered around, and, and literally it's a revival that's taking place. But... Um, And I want to find this, there it is, verse 8. So take a look at verse 8. It says, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. And then, and the they that's talking about says also Jerusha and uh, Benai and these people, Jamin and Achuk and all these people, caused the people, in verse 7, caused the people to understand the law. So as they're reading the law, these guys are giving the sense and causing them to understand the reading. The idea of this is that, you know, the pastor stands up and preaches, but then everybody helps each other to understand the message. You, you see how, what's happening here? Uh, it's not just a one, this isn't a one-man show. It's, that's not the way this works. You know, you just don't have a, a guy that stands up and teaches, and that's the end of the conversation. Uh, so, he, you know, there's a guy standing up reading from the, from the scripture, and then there's people scattered around the congregation and, and they're out there helping everybody make sure that they understand. So that's part of what we're looking at, this concept of, of you know, just being able to understand uh, what it is that we're... Uh, I can't remember what chapter I was in, but that's okay. We'll get there in just a minute. So not only do we need to, be, to need help, but we need to be help. And that's what we're going to look at today. The good helper. Who is, if you were to say, the... That's through, it caps, the good helper. Who is the good helper? Say it again. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God is the good helper. You might have said Jesus, and that would be fine too. I mean, well, you know, they, they're both God. And, and the, the good helper, this is, this is uh, what we want to do is pattern then our help after the good helper. So we're considering Christ, we're considering the Holy Spirit as we're looking at these things. So uh, let's pray, then we'll jump into this. Father, help us to grow in your grace. Help us to prepare ourselves to be used of you to be a help to those within our families, within our congregation, uh, knowing that everyone is needy, in need of help, and help us to step in and do so. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm um, online, so I'm not at liberty to share everything that I might otherwise just with you. But uh, when I go to 
Pensacola, I've been doing this for years, you know this, uh, I'll stand up and I'm standing literally, it's, it, it makes me shake in my boots every time I do it because I'm standing in front of three to 4,000 students and I say, if you have a prayer request, if you'll write down your prayer request, my promise is to pray for that prayer request once a week to the, for the end of the school year. Now that worked out fine when I would go and speak in, in uh, March and April to the end of the school year, which, you know, just literally weeks away. But to this year, it's September. I, I just came from there. And uh, to pray to the end of the school year, that's a pretty big commitment. And so this year, I wanted to make sure that I didn't just get, uh, the most I've ever gotten is about 250. And I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't just get people just writing down prayer requests. I wanted to make sure that it meant something to them. So I said to them, to the student body, if, and I need you to tell me a way that I can communicate with you. Because... I want to follow up on the prayer request. And if it's not important enough for you to, you know, share that communication information, then it's not important enough for me to, to pray. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say this, right? So, so they had to either give me their Facebook calling page or their Instagram calling, page, calling name, or they had to give me their phone numbers or, or an email, something that I could communicate with them. Well, that cut it back. So I got about 152 uh, prayer requests, which is perfect number. That's a really, you know, anything over 150 starts pushing me. I'm just telling you, it just starts pushing. Uh, but some of the prayer requests are heart-wrenching. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be careful what I'm sharing because people share prayer requests with me personally, and now this is on public airways, right? Uh, but, I mean, some of them are just heart-wrenching, and you begin to realize that, especially as we're going through this study, that while prayer is a wonderful thing for, for these kids, and, and I'm going to pray for them, they need more than prayer. They need, Galatians chapter 6 says, if we see a brother overtaken with a fault, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. Somebody, somebody has to step in. And so in a couple of these prayer requests, I literally contacted these kids and said, we need to talk. You know, because obviously just having somebody pray for you isn't going to have the result that you and I both want to get to, right? We want to we get them to a place in their lives where it's making a difference. And so, and I can't be there, right? I mean, I, I can't be the Galatians 6-1 person for these kids because I'm hundreds of miles away. And they really need to make a connection on campus with someone, and so I've had to walk a couple of kids through that process, and it's not easy because, you know, they're afraid to, to share. That's why they're sharing with me, right, because I'm, I'm literally going to leave, and that, that makes it easier for them to share some of these things because uh, they, they don't have to see me every day, and I, I can't kick them out of school. I can't, you know, call their mom and dad. You, know, you, you understand? I mean, so there's, there's things that make me a safe place but wow you know there are just some things that need more than prayer and so I've had to cross that line with a couple of these kids and praise the Lord they've responded incredibly well it's been wonderful to to watch as the spirit's starting to work already you know but uh, so the idea is we need to become a good helper how do we become a good helper well let's pattern ourselves after this let's kind of walk through this good helpers are present. Now, 
I'm going to give you the, the basic meaning of it first, and then we'll add to it. Good helpers are present. Uh, if we just think of the church body for a moment, all right, it's really difficult, would you agree, to help people in the church if you don't come? Now, I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd, so obviously, hello, you're here, you're committed, but you know, have you ever, have you ever tried to catch some people at church? <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, I'll stand up there while I'm preaching, and I'm like, oh, look, there's a visitor, and for the life of me, I cannot catch them before they're gone. You know, but I'm, I'm like, amen, they're, they're gone. It's like, what happened to them? And, by, and some people who I see every Sunday are the same way. I try to get to everybody, and it's like some people just have a knack for being able to get out quick, and, and they make it difficult, right? How do you help if you're not present? And so part of that is just being present. What else does this mean? What does it mean that good helpers are present? As opposed to what? Absent, of course. But what does this mean? Say it again. Presence of mind. Available. That was a, that's a really good word. Good helpers are present. They're available. If I'm going to be a good helper, I, I've got to actually kind of have some availability here for people, right? Would you agree? I mean, a good helper is going to be present. So finding the opportunity to, to be available to people. Now, that means... That does mean, now again, I'm preaching to the choir, but that does mean that you need to, if you're in the habit of ghosting at the end of the service, you might want to slow down a little bit because good helpers are present. I mean, in, there's, there's got to be an availability in order for us to be able to step in and become that good helper. What else would be implied by this or whatever? Good helpers are what? Are present. Ready and willing, all right? So we've got to not only, you know, not only be available, like, okay, I've got the time, but I'm still going to avoid everything. No, we've got to be ready and willing. So you get the idea. Good helpers are present. Uh, Ms. Brooks. We're going to work ourselves through that one, yes, but as we keep going down the list. So in that presence, then, here's what happened. I like this one. All the, all the ladies, will, uh, if you're, especially if, you, if you're married, then you'll uh, appreciate this one. They listen. A good helper listens. Not just listens, but really listens. Right? There's a big difference than listening. And years ago, Jack Atwell, so, I mean, we're talking about in the old building, Miss Faith. You'll remember this as soon as I start telling the story. You'll remember it. So I was preaching a series on Sunday nights on the family, and so we had been preaching on the, the lady's role in the family. And uh, so I said, I stood up and I announced at the end of that Sunday night, now next Sunday, guys, it's your turn, all right? Well, Brother Jack just took that and ran with it. So here's what he did. You guys remember newspapers? I know they don't use them much anymore, but anybody still take a newspaper out here? Not a single person. Now, I'll just show you the difference between Sunday, Wednesday morning and Wednesday night. Wednesday morning, I said, who still takes the newspaper? And almost everybody still. <laughs> I forgot. I was talking to the wrong crowd. Uh, so they're all like, you know, 70 and, and older, and they're all still taking the newspaper. Most of us don't read the, you know, we don't take a newspaper anymore. We get our news other places. I understand how this works. And um, so, but back then, uh, we were still, everybody's still using newspapers. And so I had said, it's going to be the guy's time. So we get up on Sunday night, and I'm, I stand up to the pulpit, and I'm like, okay, guys, it's your turn. And Brother Jack 
had gone to every man in the church and given them a newspaper. And as soon as I said, it's your turn, they all just acted like they were reading the newspaper. Because <laughs> you know what they were, in other words, we're not going to really listen. You know, it's like, you got to listen and really listen. So, uh, you know, ladies, you know, if you want to have a conversation and the ball game's on, that's probably, you're probably not going to have the really listen time. Or maybe it's the race, or maybe it's, Fill in the blank with whatever it is that, uh, you know, that he likes to, to, to really listen. So what does it mean to really listen? What are you doing? What, make this practical. What does really listening look like? Okay, for one, I'm going to communicate. So how do we get to that point? Eye contact. First thing that's said out of two people, eye contact. Notice it was two ladies that said that, guys. Right? Eye contact. Uh, you know, we're probably not really listening if we're looking at our you know, our iPad, if we're looking at the TV, if we're looking at the newspaper, uh, keep filling in the blank, uh, because they understand what really listening means, and that it probably was going to involve some eye contact. So if I'm going to be a good helper, so I now want to help somebody in the church, right? Being a good listener, it starts with this. I mean, this is, these are like, you know, these are the first grade skills. Don't misunderstand, but you know, your teacher was teaching you this in first grade. Sit up and look this way. Right? Your teacher was teaching that from first grade, uh, trying to teach you the skills of being a good listener. Uh, let's sit up and, and look this way. That's how you pay attention. And, and so being good, so eye contact. What's another one? What, what else do you expect if someone's really listening? Okay, so I'm going to have some follow-up questions. Make sure I understand this. You know, if, if I want to really listen I'm going to say, now let me make sure I get this right. And you repeat it back to them, right, in your own words. And then they'll say, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Or, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, right? That you're really listening, and the fact that you can kind of reiterate what they said, that's proof of it. You're going to ask some questions. Can you explain this? What about this? I'm not sure I understand here. That's being a good listener. So if we're going to help, if we're going to, if everybody in this room is in need of help, and we are, and everybody in this room is called of God to become a helper, then I need to become a good helper, and I need to become a good listener. Anything else? What else comes to mind as you think, this is a good, this, a good listener? Pardon? Oh, okay, so my body language, right? My body language speaks volumes. Uh, if you don't believe me, then go teach, uh, because I'm telling you, there's a reason why the teacher says, sit up, because this doesn't make for a good listener. You understand? It just slouching down your seat, arms folded, looking down the floor. I'm focusing, Pastor John. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's so, you know, my you know, my Bible class. No, no, that doesn't cut it. That's not being a good listener. And, and we we want to become good listeners. What were you going to say, Miss Brooke? Okay, don't, we have to be, we would call this open-minded, right? Let's be somewhat open-minded. Now, we're going to be closed-minded in the idea that we're not going to go outside of the Scripture, right? The bounds of the Scripture, but we need to be open-minded. My way isn't always, guess what, guys? My way isn't always the right way. We don't understand where they're coming from. We need to have an open mind. Listen to, so we need to listen. This is becoming a good helper, would you agree that, by the way, both of these would describe Jesus' ministry on this earth? 
Was Jesus a good listener? Was Jesus always present? Is the Holy Spirit a good listener? In fact, the Holy Spirit is such a good listener. Here's what the Bible says about him. That he takes our words that we can't figure out how to say them in a prayer to God, and he puts them into a prayer that God for God. Right? He, he speaks to the Lord the things that we don't know how to say. That's how good he is at this. Uh, how about this one? A good, a good helper draws you out. What does that mean, to draw someone out? Okay. Now, here's what it doesn't mean. Can I say this? It doesn't mean to call you out. <laughs> That's not the same thing. To draw. So ask open-ended questions, right? So we, we ask some questions, ask some, some probing questions. What else? Which, by the way, was one of the things I had to do with. I, I've got to be really careful how I speak at this point. But, you know, you know in, in order for me to, to go that next step that I was just talking about with some of these prayer requests is to ask some, some hard questions, but you know, to ask questions that need to be. Have you considered these things or whatever? So uh, what does it mean to draw you out? Okay, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, my approach to them is loving, not, you know, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shut them down by, by my attitude toward whatever the problem is that they have. So, uh, you know, so, um, you know, that, that kind of concept of, you know, not being critical, I guess. Because criticism, man, that, you want to shut down the conversation real fast? Try this at home, guys. <laughs> you want to shut down the conversation with your wife? Just start it out with criticism. Yeah, that always helps, right? No, no, it doesn't. You're not drawing anything out except for the nails, and you have to be digging them out of the back of your skull. Uh <laughs> It's not good. You know, here's the thing. As, as we get into all of this, I, years ago, I started describing ministry. And you've heard me say this phrase before. I started describing ministry a certain way. And uh, two summers ago, when Dave Young was here, three summers ago when he was here with us for the first revival we had with him, um, we went outside. We're with the teenagers. You know how we always do after the revival. We have a second service with the teenagers. And so we're outside. And... And Dave said something, and, and I commented, and I said, here's, and I just reiterated a comment, and he said, I like that. Can I use it? Sure, go for it. What do I care? Because it's not really that, you know. Not, but I, I call ministry sticky. It's sticky. You know, I mean, everybody loves to eat waffles with maple syrup, right? But have you ever had the maple syrup get itself on your fork? I mean, on the handle of your fork? And it's like, and while it's really sweet to eat the waffles, you just can't hardly wait to go wash your hands. Uh, honey is great. It's sticky. You know, none of us really like to get sticky. And one of the reasons why we don't like to help people is because ministry is sticky. It just is. It's just kind of, it's sticky. Uh, but, you know, we can do this that God's called us to do. We, we need to learn how to draw people out or draw, I, I would, I, I'm using the phrases that he used in the book, I might you know, he's saying draw them out of themselves. I might actually t turn the phrase around and say draw them in instead of draw them out, right? Because drawing them out sounds, makes people nervous. But I want to draw them in, right? I, I want to, to, you know, help them to, but the reality is I have to know what's inside, right? I have to, I have to be able to know what the real problems are. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Proverbs, if I answer a matter before I've heard it, 
What does that make me by now? Makes me foolish. Right? It's foolish for me to try to tell someone what they ought to do until I understand what the problem is. So as a, I'm going to use a word that I want, I want you to erase from your vocabulary when it comes to doing this job, because this is what people think. We, we, but as, as a Bible counselor, we learn that we can't, we can't answer a problem until we've heard it. But we use the word counseling, and it's an offense to people already. You know, it's like, you know, you need counseling. No, I don't. Okay, how about this? Because you know what Bible counseling is? It is discipleship. If you were to say to, you know, to uh, somebody, uh, I've got counseling on Tuesday night, everybody think, what kind of problem does he have, right? But if you said, I've got discipleship Tuesday night, because that's what Bible counseling is. It's trying to help someone become like Jesus. That's what discipleship is, right? And biblical counseling, that's all it is. It's not, it's not like we're going to sit down and figure out, you know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do Freudisms here. So we're not going to try to figure out, you know, what happened when you were two that scarred you for the rest of your life. Well, that's not it. What we're trying to do is give you the answers from the Scripture for what you're going through. So that's Bible counseling. So it's more like discipleship. So a lot of times we don't like this because it's sticky. Disciple, counseling is sticky, right? I don't feel like I could be a counselor. Well, can you be a discipler? Can you help someone become like Jesus? Well, I, I probably, I know you can do this. I know you can do it because God's given you the ability and he's put you here for that purpose. So we just need to learn how to draw people in. How about this one? Avoid being impersonal teachers. What, what does an impersonal teacher look like? A lecturer. You say, I love this kind of teaching. Let's talk. That kind of teaching keeps people engaged. I know that I'm doing a poor job of it when I'm standing in front of my class. On, you know, of course, I have the first hour class, which isn't easy. But still, I know I'm doing a poor job of it when I ask the question and I'm getting blank stares. And so then I say, who can tell me what the question was? And nobody even knows. <laughs> they're not really listening, you understand? They haven't really listened, and they're not getting engaged. Uh, an impersonal teacher is just lecturing, you know? And, and you know what teenagers do when you start lecturing? They shut down. They're not, they get lectures from mom and grandma and police officers, and you know, everybody that they come in contact with lectures them. The last thing they want from someone who's trying to help them is just another lecture. And so the reality is the average Christian isn't that much different from the average teenager. Nobody likes to be lectured. We just don't. Nobody likes to be lectured. Uh, we, call it, we don't call it lecturing if it's our wife lecturing us. What do we call it, guys? Nagging. <laughs> Same thing, right? You know why? Because we're just teenagers that don't like to be lectured to. I mean, that's, it's everybody. It's just the way it is. Nobody likes this. And so we don't want to lecture. What else? What, is it, what does an impersonal teacher look like? Oh, I hadn't thought about that one. That's a good one. Somebody is, what? Are you still talking? <laughs> Somebody is more interested in the clock than Sometimes I know. I know that sometimes you have to be driven by the clock. I know that. I've got to pick up my kids in 20 minutes. I'm sorry, but that's all the time I have. You, you understand? I, I know that. That's... That's just legitimate, you know, but if it's just because it's getting too sticky in here, <laughs> that's a problem. So, 
Okay, too many generalities. What, what do we call those generalities? What's another word that people use? Can you think of this? You have to be thinking like my mom. Clichés. We're just throwing clichés. Have, have, have you ever had a legitimate problem and you go to talk to somebody about it and they're like digging out you know, statements from Ben Franklin? And I'm not suggesting that they, those statements can't be helpful. It's just that they're just... Here's, here's my idea of an impersonal teacher. And especially because we don't want to get sticky. So Chad comes to me with a problem and I say, here's a book, read it. <laughs> not the Bible necessarily, but you know, we, we go and find a book on that subject because we don't want to actually deal with them. So we just, here, you read this book and, and no, that's fine. I don't mind you reading the book, but let's plan on coming back and discussing the book, right? The book's not a problem, but if all we're doing is just throwing things, you know, it's like this proverbial spaghetti against the wall, let's just see what sticks. It's that's not good. So don't be that impersonal teacher. Jesus was a very personal teacher. Would you agree? Very personal teacher. And uh, how about this one? Never minimize. And the, uh, good helpers never minimize and are never trite. So what does what does it look like to minimize? Have you ever, I mean, I, I, I've heard these things. Somebody says, you know, you just said I lost my husband. Somebody lost their husband. So, okay, you didn't, but they'll bring something, you know. So somebody lost their husband, and somebody says, that was two and a half years ago. Ouch. You just said, you know, how can I help you? Well, I lost my husband. That was two and a half years ago. Get over it, right? I mean, they're minimizing it. Wait a minute. That may be two and a half years in your time, but for that person, it's like yesterday. You understand? I mean, it's, it's that kind of a thing. I, these are things that I have to really watch myself with. You know, I mean, um, I love my little dog. I do. I love my little dog. But if my dog dies, life goes on. You know, that's just me. I'm not trying if you're, if you're that. But you know what? For some people, if they lost their dog, it's a big deal. I might tend, if I'm not careful, to minimize that. Like, you know, but wait a minute. Am I he- what am I here for? What am I trying to do? And I'm just giving you some examples, right? So we don't want to minimize. It may not seem like that big a deal to you, but maybe it is to them, and maybe we can help them get past that if we'll just spend some time being a personal teacher, helping draw them in, you know, really listening, being present. And then the last one is to remember so help me here. What is, how does that make me a good helper? What does that mean even? Follow-up. It's that follow-up concept, right? Um, so somebody says, hey, would you pray for this? Yes. And then if you can, and now hear me. Hear me out. You can't remember everything. You just can't. Uh, I, I, there's no way. Do you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I think out of the 152 prayer requests I got, I think I might be able to pick out of a crowd three of those kids. Do you understand? The, I mean, I'm, I met 150 with prayer requests. I met another 150, 200 students personally for other, with other, just through the course of the week. And the kids, a lot of times, just walking up and hand me a piece of paper. Here's my prayer request. Here's my prayer request. And, and I'm not going to remember. I can't remember everything, right? I just can't. But if I make 
you know, the thing, when I'm stepping in to help someone to make an important, so right, like right now with my, with the prayer request, I may not remember the kid's face, but I still need to remember to follow up, right? I've, I've asked them to give me information to contact them, so let's follow up. I, that's my responsibility then to, okay, I'm going to follow up on that to remember to do so. A good teacher, a good helper, I mean, is going to just, it's making things important. Nobody has to tell us to follow up with our grandkids, right? Your grandkids in the hospital, you don't have to say, oh, I forgot to check on them this week. You know, it doesn't happen that way, you know? It doesn't happen that way because it's important to us. And so as we are as we are involving ourselves with people, we need to, to remember and to reflect on that. I've got to hurry up. I'm going to run out of time. Yes, ma'am. That he didn't have that in the list, but that is a very good point, right? It, there has to be, you know, there has to be this concept of confidentiality, um, you know. So there's hardly a way to destroy tr- what you're doing to help someone than when we we share it with people who have no business having it shared with, and now we're hurting them instead of helping them, right? So that is a very good point, and you. You know, you, you uh, no question see that in the scripture. So becoming that good helper. Now I want to take you to the next step. So how do we become a good helper? And, and this is important. Remember that we have the, and this is a capital S, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. As believers, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, right? And that Holy Spirit, he is there for a reason. And uh, it's, it's important for us to catch this and to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now listen, the Holy Spirit of God is not there to give us new revelation, right? If you say to someone, hey, I think that tomorrow at 1 o'clock you're going to get struck by lightning, I think you're nuts, and I think they should not worry about getting struck by lightning, you know, because the, the Holy Spirit isn't there to reveal to us, you know, the future. That's not what he does. Uh, he, but what does he do? Uh, well, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, look at verse 13. Let me show you this. John 16, 13. Jesus is talking. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's huge. See, now, here's, here's how the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't give me new knowledge that I didn't have before. But as I hide God's word in my heart, as I'm studying, as I'm learning and growing and adding to my faith and giving the Holy Spirit, so to speak, ammunition. Here's the way this works. Have you ever, have you ever been talking to someone, you kind of, all of a sudden you catch yourself and you're in the middle of one of these situations where you're trying to help someone and someone asks you a question, what does the Bible say about, and you're sitting there thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Have you ever all of a sudden remembered? You know, I can't remember where it's at, but the Bible says, have you ever had that moment when, I don't remember exactly where it's at, but the Bible says something like this. What it is is the Holy Spirit turning on the light for us, right? He's teaching us in all, or leading us in all truth. So he takes the truth that we've been taught. He takes the truth that we've heard. Sometimes it was so insignificant we didn't think much about it. But it's amazing, amazing to me how many times just what you need comes to mind. And it's, it has nothing to do, this is what we've got to figure out. This has nothing to do with us. Right? This isn't because we're really smart. 
It isn't because we're, we're even extremely prepared. It is because the Holy Spirit of God in us is turning on the light. And so somebody comes and we didn't prepare to talk to anybody about this problem or this circumstance, this situation, and they've come to us and here we are and it's getting really sticky in here, Pastor John, and I just want to leave, and yet the Holy Spirit turns on the light. And we, we, we need to understand that God's prepared us to be a helper. And one of the great ways is he's given us the Holy Spirit of God who will guide us into all truth. That's what he does. And, you know... Again, we're not getting into the gifts of the Spirit. That you know, the, the all the the apostolic gifts were are done because we have the Word of God now. We have the Word; it's been written. So we're not talking about speaking in tongues and foretelling the future and that kind. Of, we're simply talking about the Holy Spirit of God turning on the light and helping us to understand how to apply God's truth. Have you ever um, had that experience when you're talking to your kids and you're trying to figure out? They're like, why do I have to do this or whatever? And all of a sudden, a principle from the Word of God comes to mind. It's like, oh, this is how this applies. You never applied it that way before. You never even thought about it before. But the Holy Spirit of God helps you to understand all truth. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah, oh. it's, it's a wonderful feeling when that happens. Like, praise the Lord, I was able to give an answer, uh, and I wasn't prepared. So uh, the Bible literally says, you know, that sometimes we, we need to quit worrying about preparing. Now, in, in apostolic times, but he said, when you go stand before kings, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say when you get there, right? I, I'll guide you. Just, just trust me. I, I'm not going to leave you hanging. You know, I, I, just trust me. And that's kind of God's approach. The Spirit gives us wisdom, leads us in all truth. The Holy Spirit of God empowers us to do all of these things, to serve. I mean, just as surely as everyone in this room needs help, everyone in this room is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish what needs to happen next, to serve everyone, right? I, I, and I, I'm in good company because the Apostle Paul looked at the church in Rome and said, I am convinced that you can do this, right? I am, I'm paraphrasing Paul, but he's like, I am convinced that you can, and he uses the term admonish one another or teach the scripture to one another. That you can counsel or disciple one another, right? That's what the Apostle Paul says. I'm convinced you can do this job because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And so he's, he's empowered you to serve. How about to forgive? Now, forgiving is not easy. I, I, we're doing a, a book study in my Sunday school class, uh, and it's uh, The Peacemaker. Uh, it's an old book. It's been around for a while. It's a great book if you get a chance to read it. But I, I caught a phrase in there this time through that I've never caught before. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it exactly how the book says, but it says something like this. Christians ought to be the best forgivers on the planet because we are the most forgiven on the planet. Right? I mean, when we understand what it took for us to be forgiven of our sin, then it makes it much easier for me to forgive other people. And the Holy Spirit of God is in us to empower us to be able to forgive people. So in that story, or in that book, uh, there's a story from the hiding place. Corey ten Boom, remember? The, she uh, went through the German uh, concentration camp uh, with her sister. Her sister dies in there. And 
after the war, she goes on a speaking circuit, talking about Jesus and how Christ got her through all this, right? And literally, after one of the times she spoke, she's, there's people coming through the line to greet her, and she looks up, and one of the guards from one of the camps that she was at is standing there asking her forgiveness. And she said, I determined I was not going to forgive him. And then the Holy Spirit of God <laughs> begins to work. And she, she knows she needs to do this. And she describes reaching out and shaking his hand. And the burden that was lifted off of her, not from him, he's the one asking for forgiveness, She's the one granting it. But the burden, the bitterness, and the anger and the frustration that she was still carrying around vanishes. The Holy Spirit of God empowers us to forgive. And it's powerful. And to live in unity. Um, you know, we, we are, in our society right now, we are, we are not a divided society. We are a shattered society. I've never seen America in so many pieces with so much anger between all of the different groups that are there. I've not lived in America like this before until now. We're a shattered society. And yet the Holy Spirit of God, Christian, empowers us to live in unity. You know, something the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. Empowers us to take action in the face of injustice so that you know, we can speak up for the person who's being bullied and we can step in when someone uh, is being mistreated and, you know, we, we step in so we're, we become that, the, um, the um, good Samaritan, you know, stepping in when, when there's things happening that should not be happening and assures us of God's love. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us uh, to all of these things. And then the Spirit works in and through ordinary people. Now, what is an ordinary person? In the context of this book, in the context of what we're... These are all quotes from the book. What do you think he means by ordinary people? He's really trying to say it's not just pastors, right? It's not just certain people. It's everybody. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit works in and through all of us. So that just as surely as you came in here needy, you also came in here able to help someone else who's in need that's the reality of that's the dichotomy in which we live right we're needy people who can offer help and uh so uh that's what this book's really all about so that's that side-by-side contact context because we are both and in these things i think that's the last slide nope we got one more oh yeah that's right i forgot about this one uh gotta hurry so we become a good helper how to become a good helper move toward not move away from move toward people and greet one another. Here's what the Bible says. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, it's not about the kiss, right? We're not suggesting that we have to start kissing people. It's not even about the handshake. But it is about the attitude of, of our toward one another. You know, we, we all, we've got to be not only approachable, but we've got to be willing to approach. We're, we are, we're the ones called upon to greet one another with a holy kiss. And so... Uh, you know, we move toward people. God moves toward us, right? Isn't that why we're saved? Because God moved toward us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but 
he, you who are dead in trespasses and sins, hath he quickened. God moved toward us. Uh, you know, the, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. God moved toward us. And so uh, we ought to be mirroring him. So we move toward others. We greet. And then I, I like this. He goes through this little thing to help us. He tries to make it practical. He says, let me make this practical. Let's go to church for a moment. And he says, let's prioritize how this works. So the first-time visitor, they are everybody's focus. If you haven't understood this yet, we are Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. When somebody visits us, they're not visiting the pastor, you understand, they're visiting us. And so we have got to make that first-time visitor a priority. We, we move toward, right? We move toward them. Let's, you know, I don't, it's not like the physical moving, right? So you don't have to surround them. Let's not scare them. But, you know, we, we reach out to them. We move toward them. And then the second one along that line. So here, let's, on any given Sunday, first priority. I've never seen that person before. Move toward, right? Move toward. Now, this morning somebody was sharing. I did that once, Pastor. And I said, oh, uh, is this your first time here? And they're like, we've been coming here for 16 years. <laughs> you know, and that can happen. That can happen. But would you agree with me that that's still better to happen that way than it is to simply not talk to them at all, right? That that scenario is still better. By the way, they became friends because of it, you know, that started a conversation. Uh, so somebody was sharing that with us this morning. Um, so then the this, this, then second priority after we've, oh, no more first-time visitors. Wait a minute, I met that pe- person last week for the first time. They become that priority. Let's make sure that you know, we're moving toward them. And uh, then we have the less popular, the introverts, the marginalized, the loners. In every church, ours included, there are people who will sit staring at their phone, never look up, and are basically daring us to break into their... Uh, they, they, here they are. They're, they're loners, right? They're alone. But... Now we're, we're learning and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to step in and be a helper to those in need, right? Now listen, some personalities, you know, some people are just loners. I know that, right? And they're not offended if you don't talk to them, etc. I know that. We're not talking about crowding people. We're not talking about moving into territory that, you know, that you're not invited. But the reality is some people are just waiting for somebody to come along. You know, they feel marginalized meaning they feel like they've been moved to the margins they're just they're you know they're not that important the way they feel Miss bro that's right there's they have a history of being hurt by per- people so you know you know how right my defense mechanism is i'm not gonna let you hurt me and you know how i do that i just simply don't create a relationship with you you can't hurt me if you don't mean anything to me I mean, that's what happens. And so, but we're trying to help people become more like Jesus, right? And so we're trying to reach out and make people feel welcome. Uh, so there are, in our church, there are people who are marginalized, who feel like that they've just been pushed off to the side. There are people who are, you know, who are not extroverts. Not everybody's like your pastor. I know that's, there are people who are less popular. You know, they're, even in a church setting, popular not meaning that they're loved more. It's just meaning that they're known more, right? Because they they have that kind of personality that puts them in front of people. And so everybody knows them. 
And then there's that person who's, they're, they're not as well known. They're less popular, not less loved, but less popular because they don't sing and they don't play an instrument and they don't, and, and so they're sitting over here and, and it's like, hi, is this your first time here? No, I've been coming for 16 years. <laughs> you know, it's that, you know, it's like, uh, and so our job, our job is to move toward, to move toward. And then children, he puts in there, and it's, it is interesting that he puts children, it almost seems like last, but the reality is children are children. And uh, so us moving toward children has to be guarded, right? It does, it just has to be guarded. And here's the funny thing, kids automatically move toward each other. You, know, you really seldom have to push kids together. All you have to do is give them a chance to be together. Um, sometimes you do. I know there's always that kid who's going to be the shy one, who's going to be sitting back and, you know, and you're kind of like, but I'm telling you, if you'll walk away, mom, dad, and quit worrying about them so much, come back 10 minutes later, you'll be surprised how, you know, and kids are naturally colorblind, they're naturally, you know, that's just what they are. You know, the younger they are, the more that is the case. So, but yeah, we, so he's just trying to make this practical for us. He's like, let me show you how this works in a practical setting. If you're, if you're looking for ways to move toward people in church, here's how you can prioritize it. First time visitor, return visitor, those who are, who no one else is getting around to talking to. You don't need to talk to the same people all the time, right? It's like we, um, I'm, I'm way over my time, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, it's like we get into our habits. We come in, we sit in the same spot, we talk to the same 10 people. And that's why the guy that's been coming for 16 years, we don't know because he sits, it's not that we wouldn't talk to him, it's just that he sits over there in that section and I'm never over there, you know. And so we may as well not go to the same church because we don't even know that they're there. Because, we, you know, so sometimes we just need to mix it up. One time I took this crowd right here, and I said, I want you to do something for me. I'm not suggesting it right now, but I'm going to tell you, you can do it on your, on your own if you want. But one Wednesday, we, back when we were over there and things were a lot smaller, it was easier to do it, I said, when you come in Sunday, I want everybody to sit in a different spot. Just the Wednesday crowd, right? Because the Wednesday crowd was about half, back then, about half of the Sunday crowd. And it was so funny to watch the Sunday crowd come in, and, they, and they'd stop. And they, look, they didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's like... Nobody was in their place. It was like, what? It was, it was hilarious. And I actually had a couple of people who didn't think it was hilarious. They were not happy. It's like, uh, and so, you know, I stood up on Sunday morning and explained to them what was going on. This is our way. Of, let's mix it up, right? Get to know some new people. Uh, it's just not easy to do. All right. We are down to like three or four minutes for you to spend some time praying. If you would, again, remember to pray for youth pastor. Uh, pray for weather for the uh, rekindle event, and uh, when you're finished praying, you can be dismissed. God bless you.